have the well-known story of the feeding of the 5,000. I have been to the place where they were fed. There's a little, um, uh, kind of a little meadow, I guess, about the size of a half a football field, or maybe a little larger, along the shore of Galilee between Mag Magdala and Capernaum. Just a little place, but it's very beautiful. And the excavation there, they found an early church and they had the mosaic of the bread and the wine in the mosaic. It's very beautiful. Here they were, so enraptured with what Jesus was saying that time just fled by. All of a sudden, reality set in. It's six, seven miles in any direction to a place where they could find food. Where were they going to go? How would they do it? Besides, you know, the children and so forth and so on. But Jesus gave the words that we need to hear over and over again. You give them something to eat. Well, you know, what are we going to do? We don't have that much money. No, listen and pay attention to the oldest refrain that we have in the Bible, one of the very oldest, God's feeding of his own. Jesus offers a prayer to the Heavenly Father. They sit down and they eat and they have 12 baskets full. Notice the numbers. Five loaves and two fishes, seven. Twelve baskets, a holy fellowship number in the Bible. God's feeding to his own is key to the revelation we have in the Bible. We all know about the manna that God fed the Israelites as they were coming out of Egypt. The daily manna they were fed. They should never have been able to survive the desert, particularly that number, but they did because God's feeding and God provided water for them when they needed it. And in our prayer that we'll pray a little bit later, you know, the petitions of the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. Then we have those beautiful words from Isaiah. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Ho, announce, ring the bell. If you're hungry, we've got food. And it's going to be without price, without cost. And it's going to be not only for children, the milk, but also for adults. This is what God offers us over and over again. No money. You can't earn it. Paul would write to the Ephesians, By grace you are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Then we have the question that Isaiah writes, Why do you labor for that which doesn't work? Why do we spend so much time Worrying and stewing about something that we do that will not benefit us in the least. 
Why do we spend time? And let's not point the finger at others, their foolishness, their stupidity or whatever. Let's look at ourselves. Because every time you point the finger, there are three more faced back to, you, to, to us. Why have we spent so much time in that which doesn't work in terms of our feeding in this world, in this creation of which we find ourselves? In this creation, God has put a hunger in our hearts, in every human heart, to try and find that which satisfies. And we search for it. We think we find it. We think we can get something for it that will work. And today we're faced with the greatest sham of all, that the government can give it to you. We have been so foolish. So foolish. Listen that you may live. Listen that you may live. Listen to what God has to say. The one who made this creation. The one who made us. The one who made us the way we are. Listen that you may live. And I will give you the covenant of David. Why David? The name David means beloved of the Lord. Why was David needed? Why do we need to remember that God loved David very much? In spite of all the things that David did. You know, we have so many stories about him, but part of them is the story of the killing of Bathsheba's husband that he could possess her. Definitely not a man that was perfect. But David was repentant. David recognized his sin. David recognized his problem. And his repentance is very, very loud in the Old Testament. If we listen to the things of David, people will come. Nations will come to us. We have this invitation to something that works in creation, in Jesus, in the Holy Spirit. As we come into town, we go by a number of trees that have withered and died. We are in a very severe drought. Is that the wrath of God? People of the world will think so. Too many Christians will think so. Remember the sixth seal of the book of Revelation? When these calamities happen, Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for all that we've done and so forth. This creation runs in cycles. Let me remind you that 10,000 years before Christ, where I grew up in Wisconsin, had a mile of ice on top of it. This creation runs in cycles. We're in a drought cycle, and the trees without roots will wither and die. Let that be a warning to us. Every time you see a tree out there or a bush withered and died because the roots were not adequate to get the water it needed. What a lesson for us. Do we have the roots in our Lord Jesus Christ in such a way 
that we can handle the crises of life. Then we have Jesus with the blessed words that we read time and time again. Jesus' invitation, come to me, all you that labor and are heavily laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your soul. We have the work of the Holy Spirit in our conscience, trying to tell us you can find what your heart desires most in Jesus, if what you desire is something that Jesus can give you. If you try to satisfy this holy desire within you by things that are not, by the mirages of life, by the things that are not feeding your soul, by the things that will not provide the thirst that you have, then you will be like those trees when the stress comes, or like in that parable of the sower. You remember the second soil? Things sprang up, the word of God was responded to, but when the stress came, withered and died. Let's turn to Psalm 145 and listen to that for just a second. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger and of great kindness. The Lord is loving to everyone and his compassion is over all his works. And later on he said, You open wide your hand and satisfy the needs of every living creature. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and loving to all his works. Now we have that out of the Bible. What does it mean to us? And there's where we need to go. Remember our status. Jesus died to give us a new relationship with the Heavenly Father, the Gospel Covenant. That's what we have. We can't earn it, but we can come to Jesus in faith and bring that into our life. And in bringing that into our life, feed our souls the bread of life and the water of life. It's always a one-to-one situation. You know, we sit here today as a fellowship, and that's beautiful and it's encouraging, but each one of us has our own special relationship with God, however much, however far, however it worked out. That's what each of us has. And so, what does all that mean? When you have a bad day, and who doesn't, Come to Jesus. Come to the Heavenly Father, and he will feed you and feed me. We have our bad days. We have our angers and our frustration. What do we do with them? After we voiced and said how ridiculous it is and how angry we are and all that sort of thing, that won't get us anywhere. Come to Jesus. Learn from the Heavenly Father how to deal with righteous anger and unrighteous anger. We get confused. We don't understand. How can this be? How can that be? So what do we do? We stew about it, talk to our friends and so forth. All we need to do is come to God, come to Jesus, and he, the good shepherd, will lead us where we need to go 
to be unconfused, if I may use that word. Tired. We're at a time of life and we just plain get tired. And when we're tired, things don't look right. Things look pretty gray. What do we do? We can do more than just pop a pill. We can come to Jesus and find the strength and the grace and the love that we so desperately need in these times. Our grief, as human beings, we suffer losses. And that's part of life. The cycles of life will end for every human being. Sometimes this and sometimes that. How do we handle our grief? Not by questioning God and saying, okay, why did this happen? Why did it have to be? Why did it have to be now and all this? Come to the Lord Jesus Christ and find the ointment of the Holy Spirit for our troubled, hurting soul. It's there for us. It's there for us. We have our feelings of abandonment. It's the earliest thing that a child undergoes because when we're born into this world, we leave the nice warm womb for a world that whacks me across the butt and wakes me up to this life, which I'd rather not be because I'd like to be back where I was. Fear of abandonment that every human being has to deal with. How do we handle that? Do we accept the fact that God isn't here? God has disappeared? He's gone on vacation? God doesn't care? Fear of abandonment. Deal with it by knowing that you can open up your heart and allow the Lord Jesus Christ to give you the peace and the joy that you so desperately need that we sang about a minute ago. Our feelings of shame things we have done that we shouldn't have done, things that we said we shouldn't have done, the way that we've treated other people that we shouldn't have, and so forth. What do we do with it? Crawl under a rock and feel sorry for ourselves? Come to Jesus. May it be a growing experience in our walk with the Lord. Grief. Temptation. We all know what temptation is about. To do this or to do that, to go here where I should be there, all this sort of thing is part of our life. As long as Satan is in this world, we will experience temptation. As Martin Luther said, you can't help it if the storks fly over your head. But you don't let them, you don't have to let them make nests in your hair. Temptations come. Then we need to go to the Lord and find the strength and the grace to not allow them to build a nest in our hair. Them. What are they doing now? And boy, this has been a week for that, hasn't it? What are they doing up in Washington? When all is said and done, after we have recognized the problem and we have recognized who's doing the problem, and we recognize how it works, then let's move on because we can't spend, our, we can't afford spiritual spend, to spend our life stewing over whether or not we're going to get a debt limit of this or that or something else. It is so easy to get involved with that because it is a problem. It affects every one of us 
It would affect the future of our nation. The, in, the incredible ramifications of it are there. But we have to live beyond it. If we're going to live. Satan would like to have us spend all of our time stewing over this stuff. And the longer we stew, the less we will find the peace and the joy that God has for us. Them. And then we have our graduation time. It will happen to all of us here in the relatively near future. That can be a time of celebration, going home with the Lord, or it can be a time of, I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen, I don't understand why is it now, and all that sort of thing. It's our choice, you see. We can come to Jesus and find the food and the drink we need for our soul to meet these life problems. Jesus gave us a bunch of I am, seven of them in the Gospel of John. Listen to what he said. I am the bread of life. They who come to me will never hunger. They who believe in me will never thirst. Do we believe that? I am the bread of life. They who come to me will never hunger. They who believe in me will never thirst. I am the light of the world. They who follow after me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. I am the door of the sheepfold. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but I have come that you may have life and may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life, and no one can snatch them out of my hand. I am the resurrection and the life. They who believe in me, though they were dead, yet shall they live, and whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except through me. I am the true vine, and my Father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that bears fruit, it is pruned that it might bear more fruit. And every branch that does not bear fruit is taken away, gathered into piles, and they are burned. From Revelation, I am the first and the last and the living one. I was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and of Hades. This is simple reality. We have our hunger. We have our need. We have the spiritual opportunity. We have the spiritual feasting. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at your door and knock. If anyone will open the door, we will come in and we'll feast together. That's what Jesus said. And then we have that beautiful ending to this 55th chapter of Isaiah, which we had for our lesson a couple of Sundays ago. Listen to this. For you shall go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth into shouts of joy before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. Instead of the thorn bush, the cypress will come up. Instead of the nettle, the myrtle will come up, and it will be a memorial to the Lord for an everlasting sign that shall never end. 
That is what Jesus has to offer for us. We just need to come to the table to partake of the manna, to watch and take within ourselves the way that God answers our prayer for food. Give us this day our daily bread. No problem is so intimate or so difficult that we can't take it to the Lord. Remember, he was human, just like us. He knew all of our problems, just like we do. We are so reluctant to take some of our deeply personal problems to the Lord. When the Lord stands out of our side of our door and is knocking and saying, let me in, we can feast together on this problem. Come to me, all who labor and are heavily laden, and I will give you rest. This is the manna from heaven that we're given into this world, which the world will never see because they will not, they simply will not come to Jesus. And that's what Paul was writing about in the book of Romans. I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience confirms it by the Holy Spirit. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart why? For I could wish that myself were accursed and all cut off from Christ for the sake of my own people, my kindred according to the flesh. They are the Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, the promises. To them belong the patriarchs, and from them according to the flesh comes the Messiah, who is over all God blessed forever. Amen. It's easy for us to say, well, those Jews really messed up, didn't they? And they did. We have walked that path. Listen to the words. We are the Americans. To them belong the adoption from our fathers, the glory of our history, the covenants that we have in our Constitution and our law, the giving of the law, the worship, the respect, which we have long since lost, and the promises, and to them belong the patriarchs, the fathers, and from them, according to the flesh, comes through the Messiah our salvation. Listen to what Paul is saying. Listen to what we say when we're at our best, the Tea Party and grassroots, we wish that, I, that we would somehow could take the burden upon ourselves and allow ourselves to be accursed for the sake of the nation. But we can't do that. Every person must follow and open that door or it will not be opened. And we have allowed that door to be closed. What can I do about that? I can't do anything about the... Reeds and the Pelosi's and the Obamas and so forth and so forth. I can't do anything about that. But I can do something about myself. And there is where the focus needs to be. Have I feasted on the manna from heaven? Have I drunk, of the, have I drunk from the water that Jesus said will come into our soul and become a spring of living faith within us? That's where we are. 
And that's where we need to be. So God has given us the revelation that he can feed us. When the droughts come, our roots are deep enough so that we will be able to walk the way in faith. And we have before us the invitation, Come unto me, all you who labor, whatever labor, any labor, all labor, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke. And what is that yoke? Feasting on the things of God. That is the yoke that we have to take upon ourselves. If we're going to be able to get through this life, we've got to feast on God's holy word. Open the door and let him come in. Unless we do this whole thing for us, for me. And if I can, I can point the finger at all those other people that are doing all kinds of crazy things, but I have joined them in my own way of being and rejecting what God has given to me. Come to me, all who labor and are heavily laden. Ho, everyone who hears, come, buy wine, buy milk without price. You shall go forth with peace and led forth with joy. And the mountains and the hills will break forth before you into singing, and the trees of the field will clap their hands. Amen.